Hey guys, it's Norm. So you may have been wondering lately, where's the post-race cookie cast been? Well, I got all four of my wisdom teeth out. So haven't really been able to do much podcasting lately, as you can imagine. But we're back and we hope you enjoy this episode about winter cycling training. Enjoy. We swim and we're back and then we're wrong. Not here for a trophy, we're just here to have some fun. Allison and no don't need no podium climb, but you better have a cookie waiting at the finish line. We don't care if you slow or fast, cause all are welcome on the post-race cookie cast. Yes, all are welcome on post-race cookie cast. So Allison, if I were to say to you the phrase, winter is coming, what would you think of? Uh, well, I think I know what you're talking about, though I don't know what it is, what it applies to. <laughs> well, just answer the show? question. <laughs> what? Is there a television show that says that a lot? Yes. Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, I couldn't think of the name of it. <laughs> I it's kept okay. wanting to say. <laughs> We're not a pop culture podcast, so I'm not going to be upset with you. Um, yes. I kept thinking Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Oh, no. We may have to restart this entire episode. I think we probably do. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping all of this. Yes, Game of Thrones. So Winter is Coming was the big tagline for the very popular show that most human beings on the earth have seen, except for Alison Anderson. Yeah. And it's also applicable for this episode because in real life, unfortunately, winter is coming. It's true. And we decided that it would be probably great to give our crumb heads a little bit of a winter training guide, primer, review, platform, all-encompassing episode. Yeah, well, specifically for bikes this week. Oh, yeah, I should have started with that. Yeah, we're talking about <laughs> bikes. <laughs> our cycling winter guide and... We're going to talk a little bit about a couple different training platforms, software-based, a couple mm -hmm. physical trainers that we use, mm -hmm. some bike maintenance tips, when to replace, when to keep, and uh, just some tips about cycling in the wintertime. Yep. Because for some people, it's a little easier than others. Um If you had listened to our, our interview last week, we talked to... Uh, Mies Bastille, who's up in Massachusetts. And it's a little harder for people up there to do some of the cycling because it's Massachusetts and it's a barren wasteland of snow and yeah. horridness. It changes um, things. Yeah. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But here in Virginia and where you are in Oklahoma, our winters are a little bit more mild. But there's still things that you should do to prepare for the winter season. And there's this easier ways of training sometimes where you don't have to go out in the 10 degree weather and mm -hmm. dodge ice and snow. So we're going to talk about that stuff today. Exciting. Yeah. So we're going to start this whole thing off first talking about some things you can do with your physical bike to prepare for the winter. And if you choose to ride outdoors, just some maintenance things that you can do. Um, and then we're going to move into what you can do if you choose to ride indoors, which yeah. can be more convenient, could be easier. 
So I'll start with a little story of what I'm in the middle of that you're aware of that I decided yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I was getting a tattoo and I said, well, I'm going to have some downtime. So this could be a really good time for me to take my road bike, my trek, and just completely strip it down of all its components <laughs> and do a deep clean and look over all the different components, make sure everything is good in good shape, and then vinyl wrap it because why not? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And what he means by this is when you, when you go to, like when I was going to purchase a new bike um, at the beginning of this year and I was, my husband uh, kind of gently suggested to me, like we could we could try and find the right bike as is or we could buy a frame and build a bike. And then he showed me just these frames with nothing on them. Um, and I basically ran away screaming because it looked like oh. so much work. So, but that's what you have at your house right now. I do. Yes. And it is going to be a lot of work, but there's something fun about customizing this to make it exactly what I want. But as I was stripping it, I thought to myself, this could be a really good time to prepare my bike for winter riding. Yeah. This seems like the best time to just take a couple weeks, make sure all of my parts are in working order, see if I have to replace anything, clean everything, make it look the way I want to. I'm going to try. We both know <laughs> it's going to be a very tedious and hard thing to wrap <laughs> this thing in vinyl, but why not? And uh, and then just get it ready for my next season next year. So I thought, man, this is a really good time. So let's talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. So I've showed you a couple of photos. It's it's a bare frame. It still has its paint scheme on that. In my mind, I mean, some some several people did say to me, why don't you just paint it? But you have to sand down the frame if you're going to do that. Yeah. A couple of things that really... I didn't love about that. One, it's a carbon frame and it always makes me nervous even breathing on this thing, let alone <laughs> sanding it. Right. Right. The second part of it being that if I ever do want to sell this bike, I don't know if they necessarily are going to like the fact that I painted it. And with yeah. if you vinyl wrap it, you can just pull the vinyl off, off if you have to. Yeah. So that's, that's why I was like, you know, I'll go the tedious hard route <laughs> and then at least, you know, at least it's non-destructive. So that's my thinking. I mean, you may have entered a whole new world where every like once a year you can change your bike scheme to whatever you want. I mean, who knows? Or I'll do it once and realize it's the worst possible decision I've ever made and I'll never change it because it's, it's also, so. It's also possible. This is true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. More more than likely. I mean, I'm not anything. doing it. So. <laughs> I don't think anyone does this. <laughs> But we'll, we'll be talking about it probably next week or the week after to, and I'll, we'll share some photos of the final product if I ever get to that point. So as I was doing this, I was looking at my components and I was like, you know what? I'm going to replace my cables and I'm going to really uh, decrease the entire bike and decrease my chain and my, my crank set and everything to make sure everything is in pristine order. And I just recently replaced uh, the cassette and the real derailleur on the bike so it's just, in my mind, a really good time where winter is about to come just to get in there and see what you're working with. Because I think a cyclist, and I hate to even use that term cyclist, but I will. <laughs> a cyclist generally have a habit probably of riding so often that we maybe don't keep tabs on what's going on with our bike like we should. Mm -hmm. 
and it's one thing to just hose it off at the end of the day if because even on the road you know you do get dirty you get a little muddy but i don't i'm guilty of not being one that is always looking at the bike closely before every single ride and there's a lot of things that can go wrong with yeah. a road bike especially yeah. a carbon frame so we were just talking about it. And I was like, you know, yeah, this would be a good time to do that. So let's talk a little bit about some things that you can look for to know when to replace your components. And okay. you want to start with the brake pads? Sure. Yeah. Let's all, I would like to preface all of this by saying that I, I have a husband who knows how to build bikes um, and that I regularly attend bike school. So none of this uh, came to me naturally. So if you are riding a bike and you are thinking, oh my gosh, how did I not realize this? Just know it's it's something that you learn over time. And for me, um, it's something that I was told very quickly. So <laughs> I actually applied to attend the I Anderson guess. School of Biking, and I was denied. Mm -hmm. So um, it's pretty exclusive. Yeah. Um, I'll let you know when I graduate. It hasn't happened yet. Um, my uh, my exam things. scores just weren't high enough to get in. So that, it's true. I mean, maybe next year. But well, we'll on there it did ask, "Do you plan on vinyl wrapping your own bike?" And I put yes. I think that's probably what got me kicked out. No, I f that might have been your only selling point. Oh, okay. He's a pretty big fan of vinyl. So Okay. Maybe I forgot to check that box. Um, yeah, I think he left so, it off. <laughs> despite the fact that you do have an awesome husband who will do these things um, for you because it's something that he's good at and he likes doing, you still at least are familiar with some of these things. So if somebody is curious about their brake pads, what should they look for to determine, hey, you know, maybe it's time for me to replace this? Well, you want to start looking for, I mean, obviously where, um, are they making any, like, is ideally you would know what they looked like when they were new. So it's worth like, yeah. um, giving it a goog and seeing what they should look like. So did that, you just say, give it a goog? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Never Do heard we need that to before. cut that? Should oh, no, it? no. I think we should put that on a trophy and put it on the wall. I'm Black. sure I heard it somewhere else. I, there's no way I came up with it. Mm. So um. you, if you don't know what it looks like, people, give it a goog, which means go on the Google machine. <laughs> uh-huh. Put it into that computer that we carry around in our pockets. Um, see what they should look like and then compare it to yours uh, so you know where you're starting from. But you want to look for any kind of where are there marks in it? Is the rubber still there? Um, also, when like if you have your bike on a stand and you're like you're cycling the pedals, um, like cycle the pedals and use the brakes. And do they make a noise or does it feel like there's some sort of grinding? Because you really don't want any part component of your brakes to start wearing into your wheels. It's the same as on a car. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll generally, they'll come with grooves or what most looks like teeth oftentimes in these pads. And when you have no discerning groove or mark or, or anything in, in a pattern on the pad, then it's when you really should start looking about it because you've really worn things down. Allison made a great point. Know what your components look like when they're new so that you have a better idea of what they look like when they're worn. And when you are applying your brake calipers to see 
just how hard it is to squeeze that brake. If it's something yeah. where you really have to push that all the way down to the handlebar just to get that pressure, then either you got a cable issue or maybe it's time to replace the, the brake pads. The good thing is you can just replace the pads. You don't have to replace yeah. the whole unit. It's not that expensive, but it's a good thing to be prepared for when this happens because you don't want to discover your brakes are faulty when you're going down a hill going 25 miles an hour. So No joke. So now's the time to do it. <laughs> so... Cables. We just mentioned the cables. So uh, unless you have a fancy, awesome new bike with electronic components, which it's coming, people, uh, Shimano has pretty much said that they're going to be phasing out a lot of their mechanical components. Uh, it, it's going to get to the point within five years. I don't think you can be able to buy a new bike with cabled mechanical components. <laughs> So what so, I'm hearing is I need to just go out and buy a bunch of like Ultegra components for when these fail because I'm scared of switching to that. <laughs> or hoard them so that you can sell them on the secondary market and make a tidy little oh, profit that's later. where our brains are different. I'm just going to yeah. have a stash of them for myself. Well, hopefully you'll share with me. Because <laughs> with I you like for sure. <laughs> I like mechanical because like you just said, I know how it works. Yeah. It's a tangible mechanical thing where it's doesn't have to rely on Bluetooth or batteries. And I'm not trying to say that these electronic systems are faulty or bad. They're, they're, they're great. They're amazing. Yeah. I saw, uh, at a, at a bike shop in Nashville, a guy showed it to me and I couldn't believe how fast it was. I mean, it would literally index itself on the cassette. Wow. You don't have to do that yourself, which is insanity. So there's a lot of advantages to it, but the disadvantage is it's going to cost you a couple grand just for that. Yeah. So it's not going to be cheap, but and it's going to cost a lot more to fix. It's going to cost more to replace that whole song and dance. If you have a car that was made within the last 10 years, you know what I'm talking about. It's no different. It's all computers now. Yeah. So if you still have a mechanical bike, like most of us do have, cables will last a long time. They will. They It takes a lot to wear a cable down. If, unless you're really doing some damage and you're crashing your bike... It's going to take a lot, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad idea to, to, you know, dig in there and just look and see what you've got going on. And so one place that I have found that you really want to pay attention to is that rear loop that goes to your rear derailleur. It's like that little loop that goes up and above uh, where your wheel attaches. And that is the point there where you have a lot of tension on it because it's in that loop. It's These things are meant or designed to be straight, essentially. But that is like the one part you want to look for where that can get crimped. You might knock it a bit about about when you're taking your tires off or you're putting in your trainer. So that's one place to look for it. And if you find yourself constantly having to index your rear cassette or it's having a lot of trouble shifting, it might be because you've just crimped that enough that you're losing a little bit of the tension there and it's just not doing its job like it used to. So that's a place to look for it. Um, generally, other places, it takes a lot longer for them to go out. Uh, pretty easy to fix, and they're not really that expensive either. It's just a little tedious. In the end, most of our bikes, there's only one way to run these cables, and it's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> and you can always Goog it if you don't know how to do it. Just give her a Goog. <laughs> that should be the, the phrase. It, don't know how to do it. Goog it. <laughs> I like it. I might have to get a mug with that on there for you. Um, tires. 
Now, this is another area. We've talked a little bit about it on this podcast with my race, where it was a little bit of a specialty race. Uh, and you have had practice before changing tires as well. Yes. What is it that we should be looking for when it's time to change our tires? And is there a difference between the front and the rear tire? Oh, see, that's good because I don't um... – it's very similar, all similar to, to your brake pad, similar to on a car. Um, you kind of want to, you do, I mean, there's a, there's a benefit to keeping track of, of your mileage and knowing mm-hmm. how many, how many miles ish you have on, on a set of tires. Um, I mean, we have data available to us, so it should be easy to figure out if you have Strava or something like that, but you want to kind of pay attention. Um, to how many miles you have on your tires and you want to same you want to watch them for wear just basically wear and tear just like car tires like um are are the treads still there is the rubber cracking is it pliable whenever you need to inflate them stuff like Mm -hmm. that yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like your shoes that you're probably, you trail runners run with. I mean, you, <laughs> you run for a certain number of thousands of miles and then you, or in your case, you do three training runs and you buy a new pair of shoes. I mean, we're all different, but um, yeah. So it's exactly the same thing with our tires. So a good rule of thumb is uh, oftentimes the front tires, you can get 2,000 to 3,000, sometimes even 4,000 miles on those because there's a little bit less uh, on those tires in the front. On the back, you're looking at around 1,500 to 3,000 miles. So that's a lot of miles. So yeah, in a, for the average cyclist, you're going to probably be good for a year, if not yeah. longer, depending on how much you ride. But that doesn't mean that just because the mileage is low, that you shouldn't be looking for those other things that you just said, Allison, like you, great points, the cracks, the tread wear. Um, if you're getting frequent flats for some reason and you sure you're replacing yeah. the tube, but maybe there's something going on with your tire. So, yeah, things just to look for. Because in the end, tires are pricey, but they're not outrageous. And yeah. you do not want to have a wreck because you were too cheap to replace a tire. Right. And also, we won't get into, um, like, what tire pressure people should ride at, stuff like that. That's going to be – there's, like, a billion schools of thought, and it's it does at some point come down to personal preference. But it's something to keep in mind that you can't – I mean, the, the pressure that you ride at will also affect the wear on your tires. So um, you can't necessarily just say – oh, it hasn't been 3,000 miles yet, so mine are going to be good to go. Right. And and a good thing, rule of thumb, too, is just don't go way beyond what the tire says to inflate it to. For sure. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's a good place to start, too. Um, so the other thing, I guess you could say, for, for a good point, you're looking at your components. You're looking at your cassette, your derailleurs. Just see if there's like chips. See if there's worn teeth. See if there's gunk in there when you clean it out. Mm-hmm. Just see if everything is in working order. This is just a good time when you get it off of the, the bike just to dig in there and just get a toothbrush or a Q-tip. You can really get into those nooks and crannies and get it back to the, the almost new. Yeah. Uh, and the chain is the other place. So this is something that I've run into actually, where you wouldn't think of a chain getting stretched out because it's made of metal, 
And it's so much pressure on those links that you would think that those things would last forever, but they don't. Nope. Turns out they can get worn out mm -hmm. and they can actually make a tool th that you can put on there, which measures the distance between two of the, the, the lengths of the chains. And it can tell you if your chain is just getting worn out. I, when I replaced, when I replaced uh, my cassette and my derailleur, I put my old chain back on and I was like, why is this seeming like it's not really indexing right well come to find out my chain had just gotten so loose that it was too loose it was sagging almost a little bit so it was popping off the back of my new derailleur which had more tension than my old derailleur oh, i yeah. had to take links out of my chain before i could put it back on again makes sense so this is another component that we may overlook or not think that we have to replace but yeah this is a good time just to get in there and take a look at your chain uh, there's some really good guides on YouTube that tell you exactly like just what kind of tension it should be, because that's also something a little subjective where it's not going to tell you exactly how many links you need to have for a given speed, but it will give you a, an idea of what to look for. And if you push down on the bottom of your chain, how much give it should give, how much yeah. it should show you. And then you'll be like, oh, I think it's time for me to get a new chain. And then you can drop $30 and just get a chain. It's really yeah. easy. So, so yeah, those are some things to look at at this time of year while, while you're bringing your bike inside, just to make sure that it's in running order, that your components aren't going to fail you, and that you are able to even use it in the next segment of what we're going to talk about, <laughs> indoor trainers. Woohoo. Now, you are an indoor training veteran, if you could say. <laughs> Um, I guess you, so uh, at this point. Yeah. What are you running on inside? I have a Wahoo kicker. Mm. Um, I don't have the, there are some other things that go along with that, that I do not have. I don't have the part that lets you, uh, that like moves your bike to an incline or like the fan that they have, but I do have the kicker itself. Um, it is a, it's a Bluetooth trainer that, um, completely replaces the back wheel and cassette on your bike. Um, so that comes off entirely um, and you attach to this indoor trainer. And as you use various, as you ride in various apps, it will adjust the resistance on your chain for you um, to account for incline and road conditions and things like that. And you alluded to the fact that Anytime that we as a society create anything like this, we're also going to create all these other extremely unnecessary, in, some, in my opinion at least, but uh, accessories right. like fans that mimic and increase the, the, uh, the power depending on how fast you're pedaling so that you can feel like you're actually going through wind resistance. They've got, like you said, a tower that you can attach to the front of your bike, which will actually go up and down to mimic uh, elevation gain. Crazy. I mean, yeah. you, there's no lack of things to spend money on if you own a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I will just say for that kind of stuff, whenever I go back and forth between outdoor and indoor riding, um, I have not found it difficult to climb a hill 
um, just because now my bike is at a different angle. Yeah. So I'm just going to, yeah. I'll just leave it there. So yeah. And the kicker is, well, I think you could probably say it's the, it's the nicest probably indoor trainer, or it's at least the most accurate. I think we could it's, say it's, it's up there. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one that's very well thought of by professionals and amateurs alike. Um, casual cyclists. It's, it's great because it will, it doesn't cap you at how much gain it will register, yeah. which we're going to get to here in a little bit because I have a slightly less uh, fancy trainer, but it does the same thing. So essentially this is great for somebody who I would say is maybe going to have their bike on a trainer for a long time. Yes. Yeah, it because is. Since you are completely taking off that, like, you're going to have to completely change cassettes, essentially, um, take off that entire rear wheel. Um, it could be annoying to have to switch that back and forth with your bike. Um, I, I'm, I'll raise my hand and say I'm a spoiled brat and I have two bikes. So, <laughs> well, but that, but you put your old bike. It's not like you were like, yes. oh, I'm going to go buy two bikes today. I mean, you no, put no. your old bike on your trainer. <laughs> when I first started cycling, I bought kind of an intro bike. Um, and uh, that is, it's technically a meant to be a gravel bike, actually. Um, and I just put road tires on it. But so that one has now become my indoor bike. And I, when I, I, I think I got, no, I had the kicker for a little bit, but I, then I got a new outdoor bike and I didn't have to switch back and forth. It was kind of irritating for about six months switching back sure. and forth. Sure. I can't imagine. And here's a little secret that you just alluded to, too. That's a little secret for our creme heads. It doesn't matter how heavy Correct. or light your indoor bike is because weight isn't coming into it. You just need a comfortable frame that fits you. In the end, you just need, yeah, the same size frame. As whatever mm -hmm. you wear, ride outdoors, and probably the same saddle. That's yeah. about it. The rest of it doesn't matter. So you can go on Facebook Marketplace and find that heavy, old-fashioned, steel-framed yep. piece of crap bike, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Throw a, the same saddle on that thing, and then whatever pedals you may use, like if you're yep. SPD or SL or Speedplay, whatever, and that's it. And they're done. Yep. And that's the beauty of some of these indoor trainers uh, because yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So let's talk a little bit about what the, the trainer that I use. Yeah. Um, so I have one that's called a tax and that's T A C X flow smart trainer tax is owned. Well, it's now owned by Garmin. The company wasn't founded by Garmin, but they bought them out because Garmin is very good about seeing things <laughs> that they can slap their name on and call it their own. <laughs> And so um, this is I, a different. Weird. I always called it Tac X. See, who knows? It could be Tac X. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is looking at the word, it seems very hard to pronounce. And you're probably right. I don't. Oh, I have no basis for that. That's just what I've always called it. <laughs> In the end, don't put an X at the end of your words, people, because then no one will be able to pronounce so we it. We don't know how they work. So we don't know how they work. <laughs> And so this trainer is cool because you can just take your bike and essentially just put it on the trainer. Yeah. It doesn't really take, you don't have to attach it to any kind of a cassette or anything like that because there's a wheel on the back. And 
Now, I do have a particular training tire that I will put on my bike when I put it on this trainer because it's the surface of it will meet and meld much better with the wheel. But you can use the same tire you ride outside with if you really wanted to. It wouldn't matter. So one thing that's good about this is it's really easy to take it on and off. It doesn't even take three minutes and you're ready to go with your trainer. But the one difference with this is going to be that it's only going to go up to 6% grade through whatever particular app that you're using. So if you're trying to do some really heavy hill climbing, let's just say that 6% is still 6%. That's nothing yeah. to you know scoff at. But if you're trying to do a really insane 11% grade, it's, it's just not going to do it on this particular trainer. So something to keep in mind. But that's also the reason why it's a much uh, more affordable trainer for some mm -hmm. folks. You can get this thing for like, 350 375 bucks so if you're looking for an entry level trainer that will get the job done uh, i recommend it i've liked it uh, I've, I've been using it for about six months now it's done the job and it's been pretty good so in the yeah. end i think i would just say think about how much you're going to be training indoors what the purpose of the training is if you are going to be doing some racing and it's some hilly courses you might want to think about something like the kicker if you are just trying to keep in shape and just keep and maintain your fitness, you might want to look at something like what I've got. I will say that eventually I do plan on getting a kicker when I do. I, I think down the road, it will probably be something that I'll end up getting. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty versatile. I think I do feel like uh, yours could be um, probably suitable for. I would say most people, though. Yeah. If I wanted to take it on the road with me, if I was on vacation, I could mm. definitely set this thing up and put it in the back of my car very easily. It, it's yeah. very portable. So that's another good thing about it. It's You can take it wherever you want to take it if you need it. Yeah. So all right, we talked about how we're going to clean our bike and fix our components. Mm. And we talked about then what we're going to do with the bike and the device that we're going to attach it to. But there's no fun about just putting it onto one of these things and just spinning. Correct. <laughs> you want to be some, you got to be attached to something. Yep. You talked well, you earlier about. <laughs> you, right. you, have to, you have to have something. since You have to have something or it's not going to change the resistance. It's not going to do anything. And so there is a plethora of different types of both online and standalone products that you can use that will connect to your smart trainer and mm -hmm. will give you the simulation of riding outside. Yes. There's a lot of them. And me and you are, we're, we're getting to be a little, not experts, but we're getting familiar with these. I'd say and we're, we're also versed in them. Yeah. And so we're going to do a quick little just recap of some of the ones that we're familiar with. And you're going to you're going to hear there's a lot of differences but also a lot of similarities. They all do essentially the same thing, but they just do it in a different way. Yeah. And so this is going to be a very this is going to be where you can kind of find the thing that works for you the best. Yeah. You may be stuck with the bike that you've got. You may only have a couple options for actual trainers, but this is the area where you can really customize your experience towards your strengths and just the way that you like to train. Yeah. And to be, I mean, we will, I will say that there, there are, we are talking about smart trainers. We're talking about smart trainer apps. There are quote unquote 
not smart trainers. Um, They're not smart? Yeah. <laughs> My friend calls them dumb trainers. Uh, um, <laughs> but those are ones where you just control the resistance by gearing changes. Um, and you can still interact with apps via like cadence sensors. But the beauty of a smart trainer is it also gives you um, they they basically are a power meter. Um, and I don't ride outside with power. I don't have a power meter. I don't really have any uh, plans to get one for riding outside, but it is a useful tool for indoor training um, as far as getting stronger on the bike and kind of measuring how you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I'm not going to say it's a more uh, uh, affordable option because you can get power meters outside for like three or four dollars. But then yeah. you're kind of like just stuck. And that's the only way you can use it. This is a little bit more versatile where it's built into the trainer itself right. and built into the app. So let's start off with one that we both use. Yeah. That we're both a little familiar with, and it's probably the most well-known. It's Zwift. Yep. Z-W-I-F-T. Hopefully I'm <laughs> pronouncing that one right since I got I'm tax wrong. <laughs> no one said you got it wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. Oh, I'm 100% sure I got it wrong. <laughs> So Zwift is, you've probably seen commercials on television for this. I would describe Zwift as being, you remember The Sims, the game The Sims? I Did mean, you ever play that, Allison? Or you no, with it? but I know what it is. Okay. Yeah. And so you basically have these little avatars and you build a house and they run around and it's like, it's a simulation. This yeah. is kind of like that where it is, a, it's like a video game where you Go in and there's these, all these different courses that you can ride on and you will see a little avatar of yourself on a bike. You can change your clothes. You can change your little helmet. It's yeah. If you have, if you want to, you can go pretty deep on this. Yeah. And you're on this virtual road with all these hundreds to thousands of other riders live mm -hmm. across the world. Yep. And you input your weight and your age and all that fun stuff. And it will generate an estimate of how much power you're generating and how fast you're going based on your mm -hmm. cadence, your speed, and your trainer. And then it will translate into what you see on the screen. And so you are – it's, it's a video game, essentially. Yeah. You are riding. It's like Mario Kart if you at home had a little cart that you could ride in while you played Mario <laughs> Kart. It is. There's – I will say, um, I, as somebody who is not versed in video games, uh, the first time that I used it, it was kind of confusing and it took me probably half of the ride to kind of get a feel for how it works and what I was supposed to be doing and where the stuff was on the screen compared to what I was used to. Um, but now I'm, I'm kind of into it. I've, I've kind of gotten into, uh, there's different worlds and different routes in each world that you can complete. And I now I'm kind of uh, I wouldn't say obsessed. That's too far. But I'm I'm into completing the routes, though. And it's neat because it will show you the, the, the gain for each different course, how flat mm -hmm. it is. You can see different terrain. They've got some um, gravelly, dirty style. Yeah. You can go through a volcano. You can go up Mount Everest. I mean, it's really neat. And then it's a fictional world, but they also will have real world routes on there and they will run on a rotation. So 
for instance, I know today you rode around in London. Uh-huh. Yep. And sometimes you'll see New York City. In fact, one neat thing is Richmond, Virginia has been on that uh, for a bit there. I rode so there the it, other day. <laughs> yeah, it's fun just to, to be able to do that. And, my, and our good friend Sheldon you know, lives in Richmond. And so he also rides on Swift. And he told me that it was pretty accurate. Uh, the one thing I really love about it is they took all the Confederate flag, uh, Confederate statues that are in Richmond, and they replaced the statues in the game with like fun bike centric. Oh, I wouldn't have statues. even known that was there. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. So kudos to Zwift for that. But it's uh, so it's fun. So me and you have have actually ridden on there together at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you'll yep. see the other person there, and. They It will show you different challenges, too. So there'll be like little segments where you can have sprint segments and mm-hmm. it's based on time. And most of the time we ignore those things. But yeah. there's things on there for everybody. You can level up. There's yep. achievements and you can you can get badges. It's a gamification of the sport. Yeah, you can unlock new the more you ride the more you unlock various you know accessories for your bike or kits your little avatar can wear um there's a there's a there's a companion app um that i didn't really know how it worked until this last weekend i think when i opened it while i was riding and discovered oh all these you can have you can message with all the other people you're riding with at the same time and um, give people thumbs up and stuff like that. And um, so did and a little bit partners. of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool. They'll, they'll have pros or they'll just have um, bots that will essentially set a pace and you can join. And so you'll be riding and you'll see a group of like 50 to 100 riders in a pack. Yeah. Go flying by you, which is... <laughs> scary at first overwhelming Uh, so it's yeah so i personally love it i i just i think that's my style of riding Uh, i like a little bit of a realistic look but not so realistic that it's like a video screen so yeah um i get motion sick easy so i like (sighs) the the easy graphics of this so yes we both ride on zwift but there's a couple different styles of that particular type of simulation. And there's another one called Ruby that you are way more familiar with than I yes. am. Yes. I would say, so I still think I, I enjoy Zwift and I have been defaulting to that now that I'm not really training for anything. Um, so I, I like to kind of, I know about what my speed is and about whether or not I want to do like hills or something like that. So I will it's easy to go into Zwift and pick a route based on how long I want to be riding or something to that effect. Um, Ruby is essentially a, an app of real world routes. Um, there's two, two components to Ruby. There is a workout component where they will um, have a structured workout that you can follow on a screen um, that changes the resistance for you to do like an FTP test or something like that. So there, there are workouts of that nature in Ruby. Um, but primarily Ruby is actual real world roads and routes where they have taken GPX files and put them into, um, into this app and you will be writing the actual distance and percentage grade of 
a, a route that you want to take. So I have ridden the Tulsa Ironman course on there. I've ridden both of my 70.3 courses on there. I did part of Nate's Ragbri route. If you remember that episode, I did part mm -hmm. of his route on there just for fun. Um, I do think I still like that for like an endurance ride um, for like a, a long ride situation where maybe I don't want to be watching the Zwift um, game and where I might want to watch something on like TV instead and just ride a route for a few hours. Um, but yeah. again, there's, there's, you can ride the Tour de France actual roads on there. Um, they'll break it into the segments, and when the tour is happening, they will have that as a challenge in Ruby where you can actually ride each segment each day, um, stuff like that. You can find individuals can also upload routes. So when you get into the Ruby website, you can essentially find anything you need in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a couple times on it and my experience was it was super realistic because many of the courses have actual yeah. video. video. From, yep. And it was both very realistic and lonely. Yeah. And yeah, it was weird because I was the only one out there riding and it was an odd feeling to go from Zwift where I had thousands of people yeah. To going to be the only one on the road. And it was a weird sensation of just being alone. I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was kind of weird, but I can see how there would be a huge benefit to training on whatever course your race is going to be on. Yeah. And literally knowing how it's going to feel, what it's going to look like. So there's yeah. some really great benefits to that particular platform. Yeah. There's I've another done, I, I did all of the Tulsa Ironman course on there and that was particularly lonely i would say <laughs> yeah that's a long time to get there <laughs> yeah so those are the ones and there's others but those are two of the ones that, that we're familiar with that are more the simulation style yeah now there's another realm of indoor cycling that is more of an instructional spin or just instructional class format and we're briefly going to talk about uh, a new one that you just tried that yep. I had never heard of. I know the company. So you just recently tried a new thing. It's brand new. Yeah, this yeah. one's okay. brand new. Um, I do because I have a kicker um, and because I am a fan of Wahoo, um, of the Wahoo brand. That's where my – that's – my sensors, my cadence and my, my speed sensors are Wahoo and my bike computer is a Wahoo. Um, so I kind of do follow the Wahoo, um, just, you know, updates. Um, so they have recently released their own, um, their own version of online training, um, called Wahoo system. Um, and, it is, um, it's not just cycling. Uh, it's very similar to a lot of other workout platforms. Like there are strength training classes on there. There are run programs you can use with a foot pod on a treadmill. Um, there are yoga classes. And then of course there are cycling classes. Um, so 
within the Wahoo system, I think you get the first 14 days are free. So I'm still in that 14 day kind of trial period right now. So yesterday I did two, two 20 minute classes and Wahoo has partnered with several other, with several kind of on well-known brands like Sufferfest and Global Cycling Network um, to provide content for this app. And so I took two of the Global Cycling Network classes yesterday, um, which I found very interesting. Uh, Norm and I are very, very, very well versed in the world of spin classes. We know mm-hmm. a lot about that. <laughs> and this was like taking a spin class if it were led by like a professional road cyclist. There was a group of other cyclists. So you saw them, the camera kind of went back and forth between between the instructor and the room of cyclists and everything we, I did a speed class and everything was kind of based on finding a cadence to match a power output. And we did like 30 seconds on, um, I want to say 30 seconds off for a total of like five minutes of work with a break in between. Um, and it was very intense and it was, They'll they'll talk to you about gearing and um, it's very, very much if you've taken any kind of a spin class, it's like being in a spin class, but for a road bike. Um, so I found it fascinating and I loved it. Um, and one note we have to make is system is spelled without the E. Yeah, because E's are so 2020. Well, we that's what Wahoo we don't use likes vowels. to do. Yeah, we don't if do you... <laughs> we don't do vowels anymore. I mean, if you have the the bike computer is called Element without the E at the mm. end, and the kicker is kicker without the E at the end. They like to leave vowels out. They uh, hate them. They just hate them. So yes. Well, you have to buy them if they're on Wheel of Fortune. They're expensive. They're expensive. So. And these things are already expensive as enough. We don't have, really, we don't have enough money for vowels. So it's C, it's not C, it's S-Y-S-T-M if yes, you're looking it up. So. The other thing I like about what they're doing is they're separating riders into profiles where they're basically saying we're all different body types. Uh, we have different levels of endurance, sprinting, you mm-hmm. know, anaerobic, aerobic, fast twitch, slow twitch muscles. We're all different. Yeah. And yet sometimes I think we all kind of train to be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and so they basically are splitting it up in things like sprinters, attackers, time trialists, climbers, pursuiters. Yeah. And so their system, they call it the 4DP, is basically using their test to determine what type you are. And then when you know what your type is, you can tailor your workouts and your training to target your strengths and your weaknesses, yeah. which I, you know, I'm, I'm, me and you both, we're very much analytical. We like the science aspect of a lot of this training stuff. So that's something that appeals to me with this. So I don't think I don't think we're trying to say that one is better than the other or you no. should only use one. If anything, it's kind of like streaming services. If you're anything like Allison and I or anyone else in America, you probably have just about all of them. Right. Like, we used to complain about cable and oh, it costs so much to have this cable. And now we have like 14 different streaming services and we're probably paying more than we did back then. Because there's certain benefits to Hulu versus HBO Max versus Netflix versus blah, 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 blah. And so these are kind of the same thing where I personally, I have a Zwift account. I'm going to be getting a trial for this Wahoo because I want to try it out. Mm -hmm. I also have an Echelon account. And that was like the other aspect of training that we were going to talk about. Yeah. 
Because in the end, there's effective training should be something with some diversity. You want to do some cross training if you can, but if you're stuck inside, it kind of gets to the point where you're, you're on a bike. It's not cross training. So then you have to find different ways of using that bike, different training methods, and they all have their own unique strengths. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, seeing which one works best for you or having more than one. And then picking by the day what type of app works best for the type of workout you're doing that day. Right. And so we've talked about spinning. And this is what we wanted to end today with is the – ironically, we're going to end our episode with the thing that began our friendship of how we even met each other. And that is Echelon. So whenever my friends ask me what Echelon is, and I'm sure if anyone's listened to our podcast, they're familiar with us talking about Echelon because – We've had several of our our guests have come on who've worked in the world of Echelon. But essentially, it is a spin fitness platform that I've always told my friends, it's like Peloton, but different. Yeah. Because that's, unfortunately, Peloton, you know what? They have really good marketers and really good branding. And so everyone knows what they are. They were the first out the gate. So they have the biggest market share, but there are other alternatives out there. And Echelon is one of them, which was basically founded to be the more affordable option where they were saying, you know, you shouldn't have to pay a mortgage to get a spin bike. You can still get great classes, great instructors and not, you know, pay a fortune. So it's a little bit more of an affordable platform. And I would say, I don't know if you would agree with this, Allison, that the instructors are a little bit more relatable or a little bit more, um, I guess, I would relatable. Say right? Relatable. Um, part of that, I'm sure that I'm sure other platforms have instructors that if you could get to the know them, they might be relatable. The big thing with Echelon is that the instructors are accessible. Accessible. There was the word I was looking for. I knew you'd come up with it. That was exactly what I was trying to think of. The classes are smaller. You Uh have an easier time of connecting with the instructors and your fellow riders. And there's a really good online community on Facebook and a couple other areas so that you can really kind of get to know these people that you ride with every day. Um, So here's the big difference between that type of platform and these other training apps that we've talked about. Echelon and other ones like that have a leaderboard. Yeah. So this is where it comes into that whole thing of try to find what works for you best because subconsciously when we're presented with a leaderboard and a ranking system, we are going to oftentimes try to do maybe better than we would normally or try harder because we feel like everyone's watching us. You get that live leaderboard and you see your name on there and you see where you're falling and it can be, it can be distracting for me. And I, I think you're not oh, a huge sure. fan of it yourself. No, I can't stand it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm being diplomatic here, but yes. Yeah, it can, you are. There's days when you get in there and you're just like, uh, I wish, and you could swipe it away. That's the beauty of it. It's it's all a battle of you kind of have to fight yourself and the urge to really push yourself to that you can do well, really well in a meaningless Or the metric. opposite of that, and or the opposite of that, which is the problem that, you know, some people might have, which is to feel like maybe you aren't, um, if you're not hitting some of the big numbers that other people are hitting, that you kind of have some inadequacy feelings. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, there's both ends of that spectrum. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's, there's fun in being on it and, and being and riding at the same time as other people and seeing those and being in that live class. Um, you just kind of have to decide, you have to realize what motivates you. Yes, exactly. And there's a sense of community with that type of working out that you're not going to find in some of these others. Yeah. It's because it's more of an intimate feel. And that's how I met you and a bunch of our other friends. That's why this podcast exists because yeah. you end up meeting people like-minded who are trying to get in shape and are doing it through this platform, meeting these instructors who are lovely, amazing, wonderful people who yeah. I, it's odd for me to know that I'm great, good friends with some of these people who right. operate these classes. It's really a neat feeling. So once again, this is about finding the thing that works for you or finding a mix. So there are days when I want to just do a Zwift ride because I just want to get out there and get the job done and I don't want anyone else around and I just want to put the miles in. But then there's other times when I want someone to just kind of tell me what to do. I want to have a workout style where it's not just the miles, but it's maybe it's Tabata or it's hill climbs or it's speed work or something like that. And sometimes it's nice to have an instructor out there saying, hey, do this now, do this, do change it up. And there's music playing. And then I can see some of my friends on the leaderboard. So I feel like I'm riding with them. So I like to mix it up. I like to have a little yeah. bit of this, a little bit of that. And I think that's what I would encourage anyone to do is it may not be financially feasible to have all of these things. <laughs> I know it sounds like, please keep in mind that these are maybe things that we have collected over years now. Um, years. Yes. These are not things that like, I mean, we didn't, we didn't sign up for, you know, one triathlon and then go buy 75 things. Um, it's, this is in like a collection of, of stuff that kind of naturally happened over time. <laughs> Yeah, going on our third year with the Echelon platform. Yeah. And so, yeah, you just slowly you accumulate things over time, like you just said. And so, you know, try a little bit of this. A lot of these places have free trials. You can try, I think, Zwift for, I think, 20 or 30 days. Wahoo, it looks like about 14 days. Mm -hmm. Ruby has one as well. So you could try them out, see if you like them. And then generally, I got to say, they're pretty inexpensive too. Most of them are going to end up being about $15 a month. Yeah. So for the price of what you're paying for your Netflix, you can get a great training platform and yeah. something that's maybe tailored to your particular style of working out. Maybe you do maybe you do the free period for, you know, for a few different ones and then and pick one or maybe two that that work for you and go from there. Yep. And as always, you can usually find some pretty good deals in this stuff from Black Friday, which is coming up. Mm -hmm. So it's true. Good time to not only clean your bike and replace some components, but also to make your plans on, hey, what am I going to do this winter? What platform am I going to use? Let's dive in here, try them out, and find the one that works best for me. Yep. All right, Allison. Well, I guess I could say that I will see you virtually as we train this winter. <laughs> yeah. We swim and we back trophy we're just here to have some fun Allison and no don't need no podium climb but you better have a cookie waiting at the finish line we don't care if you slow or fast cause all are welcome on the post race 
Yes, all are welcome on post-race cookie cast.